When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day legends and welcome to The Pot Noodle. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is Liam. How you doing Liam? Good mate. Listen, I want to start today off on a slightly serious note, okay? Um, you know, bit of a public service announcement. I, You know, I, we don't want to be too downbeat, but as a podcast, no, actually as a Celtic fan community, I feel we have to do this, right? I like a good time as much as the next guy, you know, like a drink. Did we do a wee bit when I was in university? You know, not ashamed to say it, but we need to have a serious, open and frank discussion about the dangers of overdosing on hunters. <laughs> yeah, 100%, mate. <laughs> uh, You're the only just... one that can bring props to a show, mate. <laughs> hey! No, it's just, um, yeah, I was saying to Liam off there, it's like I had two different names for the pod. I didn't know what to do, so I'm like, stop it. Let's chuck them together in the episodes. That's probably the longest podcast name for us ever. Totally worth it. So do us a favour. All your best Michael Beale getting the sack puns in the comments. All the comments about their game, you know, about their staunch points for abseiling. Um, you know, we can put some other comments later on because we're going to be talking about a certain club as well. But, yeah, we'll, um, we'll crack on. So... Liam, do you want to just give us a general overview of Celtic 2 Motherwell 1 while I try and fix my audio? Well, I've got to say that just in general, this has been one of the most bipolar weekends of following Celtic imaginable. From yes to oh no, to yes again, to oh, even better. Um, you know, the uh, like Motherwell did what they do well. They were very good at kind of uh, containing... Celtic for, well, the first 75 minutes of the game, really. Um, you know, playing that very, very deep defence, which is not attractive to watch, but you know, St. Johnson showed a few weeks ago that it can be effective, so I don't really blame Motherwell for trying. Um, but, you know, we got the goal. Uh, that brilliant goal from Luis Palma has to be said. Really, really, really nice. Um, been a while since I've seen a number seven for Celtic do anything that special. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then, you know, Mother will get their goal and some of their fans invade the pitch. Then, 20 seconds later, we get our goal and even more of our fans invade the pitch. So it was a, a pretty chaotic, but looked like uh, quite a fun afternoon for um, for all concerned, I think. <laughs> I hope that sounds better for you all now as well. Um, yeah, it was, uh, as you're saying there, Liam, it's a spot-on, weird game, like, 
we had um I had my stream drop out with about 20 odd minutes to go. So I didn't get to see the goals live. I was watching you guys in the group chat and the when my feed came back, it was uh yeah, it was Matt O'Reilly celebrating. And I'm like, what the hell have I missed here? So I had to go back and watch it. Unbelievable. I just I'm spewing there because it's like I would have loved to have seen it in the um, you know, in the when it was live, but you get it how it is. Aye. Aye. Uh, ironically, this was one of the few weeks when Celtic TV didn't chuck it for me halfway through the game, so I managed to see it all. But, um, of course, my phone buzzed when Motherwell scored, so I was like, oh, no, I know what's coming, because it happens. Like You get the phone buzz 30 seconds before you see it on Celtic TV, and then my phone buzzed again, and I thought, oh, that must be full time. But then, no, it was Celtic 2, Motherwell 1. I was like, oh, yes, here we go. Yeah, it was a doozy like that because it, like, usually it's like Twitter or something like that goes nuts. And that's why I just turn the I turn the comments off. Like you guys, when you're normally watching the game, the chat's going crazy. I'm normally sitting there and do not disturb, don't message nothing. I don't want to know because there's always a, um, yeah, it's just always that little bit of a uh, a drainer there, like a 30-second lag, as you said, Liam, or, you know, sometimes when you and me have been doing Axon games live, it was like a minute and a half late and stuff like that. It's just Great fun. So what we'll do is we'll just quickly go through the starting lineup, Liam, like we usually do. So I don't think there was very many, very many surprises there. Taylor scales, Lager, Belke, Johnson with Bain in goal because Joe Hart was out suspended. So the question would have been, was it Lager, Belke or Awada going into the game? Midfield, Hatade, McGregor and O'Reilly. And up front, it was Kyogo, Maida, and it was who was going to play out wide right, was it? James Forrest, was it Yang? Was it going to be Palmer? It was Yang got the gig there. So it was a pretty straightforward lineup. Um, first half, I thought it was a little boring to, if all things considered. I did like the fact that there was times we could look at Motherwell and their furthest player was halfway between the top of the box and halfway, furthest player up the field, and there was like two rows of five. But then yeah. there was other times where they're actually coming out to play and you watch the replay back and everything, and yeah, I know it was um, it was one of those games where it was their commentator, so it was their pay per view. But yeah, we've got to um, just look at it and be like, there was plenty of they had plenty of opportunities as well. So I'll give credit to Motherwell for coming and actually playing a game of football rather than just sitting back like we saw the week before at Livingston. Another thing I want to give credit to is whoever the groundskeeper is at Motherwell, let's um, make that one of our next off-the-pitch investments as a club with 70-something million pound in the bank and go and give them a chunk of change so they can look after our, our grass at Celtic Park because that looks an amazing surface. And as RL77 is saying in the comments, credit where it's due, Bain had some good saves as well. So mm. I was going to touch on him It's in the player focus a bit later, but, yeah, we'll um, we'll go through that. but. Yeah, any anything you want to add there, Liam? Well, you've you've just kind of beat me to the punch there. I was going to say, you know, Bain is not a, a goalkeeper I rate particularly highly, but he did very well with what he needed to do at the weekend. And credit to him for coming in and doing his job and doing it well. Um, respect. He gives me the fear usually. Like I've said on the pod numerous times, like if he's our backup keeper going into Europe, and something happens to Joe Hart then I'm, you know, I'll be 
I'll be like bricking it a bit, but the mm. fact of the matter is he's coming out there and he's done the job on the weekend, made a bunch of good saves. And there was like that high ball that was that they scored that was offside and everything where they clattered into him. And I like the fact that he actually went up and competed rather than just standing there waiting for the ball to come to him and trying to win a foul. So yeah, he went for a few high balls as well. So it was good to see a keeper with a – like I'm not having a crack at Joe Hart because I think he's in his best form that he's played – at Celtic in his time for us this season. But it's interesting seeing what a keeper with a bit of mobility does for our lineup. Like, and Bain's not the most mobile, but it's an upgrade over Joe Hart. Yeah, it's – um, and the thing is as well, when you've got a still, still a relatively new defence and then suddenly you have to switch out the goalkeeper, who – and especially Joe Hart being as commanding a, a presence as he is, I'm pretty sure – you know, for example, at the game at Ibrox last month, I'm pretty sure he was talking like a bell kit and scales through it for large parts of the game. Um, and, you know, to, to to not have that behind you. But, you know, Bain came in and, like you say, he inspired confidence in the defence with his, uh, his challenging for high balls, with his, uh, you know, making the simple saves, but making them well. Um, nothing they could do about the goal. The goal was a complete defensive balls up. I mean, uh, there was about, you know, three or four people at fault for that goal, but it was a well-taken finish as well to give the Motherwell boys due. Um, but, yeah, I think all in the the defensive side of things is definitely looking a lot better, and the absence of Joe Hart was not as acutely felt as I was worried it was going to be. Yep, 100% there, Liam. Another thing for me is, I just want to touch on the goals, because you spoke on them earlier, but Palmer you see him just before, he, like he got the ball in the same position on the field twice. The first time the defender's up on him. So what's he do? He just beats a man. I like the way he squares up and then he's looking and he can like see what's going on, look for angles. It's a lot different than just trying to get to the byline and cut it back like a lot of our wingers are doing. So that was, I like the way he shaped up and did that. And then he put a crossing just before it. And then the next time they sagged off him because of the cross he just put in, which was decent. So he's like, all right, I'll have a shot here. So for that to be his first goal in the hoops was a fair effort. And then their goal was a scrappy. Um, like Scales clears it with the header. And then Turnbull was there. He could have just taken one step to his left and he would have been able to just put the laces through the ball and clear it. And he just stood there and watched. So I don't know. It was a bit of a bit of a weak one. And then, yeah. The run from O'Reilly, I want to touch on this because I've seen a bit of talk in our group chat, and we all know Shane is absolutely obsessed with Tom Rogic. Mm-hmm. The way O'Reilly is making those late runs into the box, especially later on in games, is very Rogic-esque from Rogers' first stint at the club. And the fact that O'Reilly made that run, got in the position, and just had the composure to put it away, Fantastic. And it was on the day he signed a new deal too, which we'll talk about a little later. So, yeah, I just thought it was fantastic overall, the the goals and the finishing. But you got any players you want to focus on, Liam, before we jump into going through some of the comments? I would just reiterate what you said there. I think that as much as last season was amazing, winning the treble and whatever, um, one sort of minor nitpick that, that I think us and other other uh, commenters picked up on was we'd, we'd never really felt we'd properly replaced Rogic. 
Um, we didn't have a Rogic-type midfielder in the team, really. But O'Reilly has now emerged as that guy. He is the new Tom Rogic with his... Because he had, you know, he had the passing ability before, he had the movement, and now he's adding the goals to it as well. And important goals at crucial times, which is what Rogic was legendary for. So, yeah. On that, Liam, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. We love a tangent on this podcast, but mm. talking about not replacing Rogic. Last season, we had O'Reilly, we had Awada. Those two, in my opinion, were the perfect candidates to replace Rogic and replace Biton. But what did we do? We went and signed Aaron Moy, who could cover both positions, and we played Moy. So I think that may have been a factor into, you know, why we didn't see as much in some of the comments and the frustration that O'Reilly has spoken about. And now we're starting to see Awada, when he came in and played in the midfield a few weeks ago, I think it was the Livingston game, unbelievable. Great to see the player that you've seen in Japan playing in the midfield, it was great to see. And then O'Reilly now playing the 10 week in, week out, getting a run of games, his confidence is sky high. It's just great to see the development from him as well. So, yeah, I just think we finally have replaced those two and it gives the squad a hell of a lot more balance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. All right. So late drama, I'll put us on the run sheet. And it's not the goals. The late <laughs> drama that I was talking about here is people on the pitch. And it mm. wasn't just our, our fans. It was their fans too. Now, people have been saying that the stadiums, the way they're designed at Fair Park, it's like people celebrate and they come forward and it becomes a bit of a crush at the front. Mm. And that tends to be why people are getting come, came on the pitch for both teams. I don't know if I believe that 100%. Without having been in that stadium, I can't agree to that. Liam, you've been, have you been to Fir Park? Can you? I've been, to, I've been to Fir Park a few times, and I can confirm that, yeah, there is a surge forward, particularly if you're behind one of the goals when a goal goes in. There is that surge forward. Um, you know, I don't quite think it's necessary to go into the pitch, but there is definitely a forward momentum. And if you're already feeling a wee bit jubilant, um, you know, it's not like anybody got attacked or anything. People came on, they celebrated, and they quickly got off again. I, I think it was, you know, pitch invasions are not a good idea generally, but I don't I don't think this is one we need to get particularly upset about, you know. I mean, you know, who could forget that legendary pitch invasion the night that, that Sevco won the Champions League against Partick Thistle? I mean, I think we all remember where we were that night, don't we? Uh, hey Liam, I got a. You said um, about you know people went on the pitch and then they got off really quickly. Now, you know we all love one of these sort of smutty jokes, and usually it's oh you god, here we go. Right? Right. Did you see the guy koala hugging, like full on jumping up onto O, legs either side of him, arms are in the back of his neck. The only thing missing, the only thing that was like stopping it being, you know, some sort of. Uh, dodgy date sort of situation was the fact that he had pants on. He's <laughs> <laughs> one leg hanging off and I'm like, dude, come on. You're, you're a grown man. Mm. <laughs> it was a little full on, but I just, I just did that for a laugh. 
there, there, there's some sort of headline you can work there with like oh getting your hole or something I, I don't know there's definitely something we could do there if we if we workshop that one a wee bit oh my god <laughs> or something along oh that's what she said or he said or whatever uh, we'll figure it out uh, funny jokes there but what we'll do is we'll bring up some comments and then we'll um we'll crack on mm. a bit later on so Hail, hail, Paul. Thanks for tuning in again. Cheers, Paul. RL77. Anyone want a game of Sackamole? <laughs> Michael Ross, hail, hail, folks. What a fabulous weekend that was. Absolutely brilliant. John Clements, oh, Mickey, you're no fine. You're no fine. You blew their minds. Bye, Mickey. <laughs> I well played. I like that one. Mm. Mickey Moynihan, Mon the Mighty Celtic. Strange love the doctor. Rabbit, 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 rabbit. Um, audio Tinny, so yeah, thanks guys for shouting that out. Robert Gibson, Jared is underwater. I wish, mate. I'll tell you that. It's been bloody hot out here the last week or so, so that would have been handy. No, I just had the microphone wrong mic setting on, so it was coming from the back of my camera, not the one in front of me. So rookie mistake. You get that sometimes. Uh, we all make mistakes, as the Daleks said, climbing off the dustbin. Robert Gibson, Mrs. Palmer and the five daughters were ecstatic. <laughs> it was all about their pot noodle. Uh, if you know, you know, the old joke. <laughs> uh, what have we got? Yeah, Mickey, 100%. was a bit of a shame. I was sitting there too. I was like, I sat up late. And I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. And then we've got uh, JJ is morning boys. Sides are hurting from Saturday. Another Carlsberg weekend. Yep. Uh, I, I, I particularly like the, uh, the the statement on follow follow where one of the uh, one of the Huns said, uh, "I can count on one hand the eight times that we got decisions against us at the weekend." <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> Strange love you. Credit to James Forrest who made the run that drew the defender away, allowing Matt to score that winner. Yep. Credit where it's yep. due. Aye. Aye. I mean, I, I often say that about Maeda. It's what he does off the ball. It doesn't get noticed. And Forrest, definitely aye. That was the case at the weekend. Mickey Moynihan, Scales is smashing it lately. He's been a revelation. You know, been, you know the old saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. I think uh, Scales is pretty much won himself a, uh, a spot in the rotation as far as I'm concerned. Uh, well, he's definitely he's, he's in a head of Lagerbilka for me. That's... Handsome handsome hobo. My ass is howling. Uh, stay off the spicy pot noodles, mate. They'll do that to you. <laughs> yeah. We don't uh, just keep scrolling through here, see what else we've got. Uh, don't believe the BBC stuff, trying to like link our players away already. Mm. Um, yeah, Fur Park is small. You couldn't crush a hamster in there. So yeah, we'll um, seventh permanent manager in their eleven year history. Yeah, there's going to be um, some interesting stuff there. So what I want to talk about is we've got Rio Hatade signed was a new five year deal. Matt O'Reilly a new four year deal. That's great news. 
I like the fact on for both of them in terms of they've both got plenty of development to go. Mm. They're still quality players for us, but they've still got heaps of room to grow and develop. But then even if you have them for another year or two and you develop them and then sell them, you're still going to get a fair chunk of change on that because, you know, they're going to have a long term on their contract. So what's your thoughts on this, the contracts for both of them, Liam? Yeah, great bits of business. Um, I mean, like you say, for example, to take for example Kyogo, right? Now we all love the wee guy. He's twenty-eight now, going to be twenty-nine next year. So when he leaves Celtic in a few years' time, it's probably going to be to go back to Japan or to go to a smaller club and you know be finished at the top level. Whereas, like you say, Hatati and O'Reilly are both still young enough that they could tear it up for us for another three or four years and still go somewhere for, you know, 20 plus million um, yeah. quite easily. So that is, it's it's great to have the, the guys commit their long-term future to us, but modern football being what it is, I'm, I'm, instead of saying, oh yeah, he's here for another five years, I'm more inclined to say, great, if they go at any point in the next five years, we're getting plenty. That's kind of more the way I look at it. We got the benefit on the pitch, Liam, and then we've got the benefit of protecting an asset. So exactly. it's win-win. Um, I'm going to do this here. Patrick McLaughlin, he was just so unlucky. And he followed up, Ange, on the other hand, was so lucky. <laughs> I am the mole and I'm now on the dole. So I spoke about it on thir- on the Thursday session last week with Stephen about who should be next to con- sign a contract. So we were saying Hatade. O'Reilly should be next. I said Carter Vickers, no matter, should be the one after that. Lord Flashart is agreeing. Is there anyone else you'd add to that list, Liam, or is it Carter Vickers for the next contract and then you're happy with how things are? Uh, Carter Vickers, absolutely. Yep, long-term deal for him. And then what I would say is give Joe Hart a two-year extension with the understanding that he's got one more year as our number one and one more year as a mentor stroke backup to whoever our new number one is going to be. Okay, that's where you and me have a little bit of a different thought process here. Like, I I appreciate what you're saying. I'm not kicking Mm -hmm. Joe Hart out at the end of the season. I know he said he wants to go back to his original first club to finish his career off. Shrewsbury, yeah. Shrewsbury, that's the one. So he has said that. Now, for me... If we extend him, I would be telling him, okay, we're going to extend you for one year and then there'll be a one-year option. I wouldn't give him a two-year deal. Okay. And what I'd be looking at would be, okay, one year will be next year we're going to bring in, because we've got that money, we've got to spend it. We've mm-hmm. got to invest in the squad. If we want to do something, we need to upgrade two key positions in particular. We need to get a left back for Europe and we need to get a goalkeeper. The rest mm-hmm. of the squad with who we've extended this year and with the development and the skills they've got, yeah, we may lose one or two at the end of the season, but realistically the list of guys that we have extended, that is going to be our squad for this year. And that's a team that I would be wanting to take into the Champions League next season again. So, and just add one or two, but adding those one or two is a starting quality goalkeeper and a European level left back. You get those two in to the squad we already got, and I think we're going to be a hell of a lot um, more competitive in Europe. Now, yep. so if we extend Hart for one year 
And then it's, we bring someone in and then you two battle it out for the starting jersey. At the end of the season, if you're not the number one, then we won't take up that option and you can go to Shrewsbury to finish your career where you wanted to, do the right thing by him. If he's battled that new guy and he's still starting and he wants to stay for another year, great, do it. I have no problem either way. But we've also got to look at guys like we've got Oluwai Emi out on loan who we've got a big rap on as well. So Mm. eventually he's going to come in and take either Seager's spot because he he he'll be out here next season, I reckon. And yeah. you're gonna have, and then you got still got Bain there. So you, there's gonna be a bit of turnover in the goalkeeper situation anyway. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. See, ultimately, when Joe Hart does eventually leave, um, you know, I hope it's not for another year or two. But when he does, we're gonna need, I think, two goalkeepers because I don't want the kind of a this is an extreme example, but you don't want the kind of Man United Massimo Taibbi syndrome where you bring in this new goalkeeper that everyone's like, oh, he's a hot shot, whatever. And it's like, I, but you've just, you know, you've just let Peter Schmeichel go, <laughs> you know, and this guy is not Peter Schmeichel. So I think Joe Hart is such a big character that putting that much pressure on one goalkeeper to come in and replace him is a bit much. If you get two goalkeepers who are of both relatively level ability, and let them fight it out to see who's better. I think that's better for the overall quality of the squad, but it's also better for the individual players because you don't have one guy carrying all that weight. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, people would argue that Man United did not truly replace Schmeichel until they signed Bartes, which is about two or three years later. And because he was as big a character as Schmeichel was, so he, he you know, the, the confidence wasn't really an issue for him. I think that's, you know, that's the kind of thing we have to think about. Joe Hart is such a big presence, such a big character that we need a goalkeeper of similar stature as well as better ability to come in. I've got a more recent example for you. Chelsea signing Kepa for $72 million and then he's out on loan somewhere in, in Spain now because he's never cut it. On top yeah. of that, you go back even further, you go to Liverpool when... They got rid of Mignolet, who had been their starter for years, and then they bring in, what's the German guy, Loris Karius. They brought him in, yeah, and then he had an absolute nightmare in the Champions League final against Real Madrid. Mm. And then they're like, okay, well, we don't need him anymore. I don't even know where Karius is. I think he might be at Newcastle or something like that. But Mm. they get rid of him, and then they go and spend a world record fee at the time on bringing in, which one did they bring in? Allison, didn't they? So. So, like, that's the sort of thing you're saying. You don't want to get yourself into that sort of situation. So, yeah, there's gonna. that's a position we need to upgrade, but, you know, that's down the road. Yeah, so now we'll – oh, I just want to go through. We all know about it. Huns lost 3-1 at home against Aberdeen. There's a bunch of stuff going on there, and mm. – I touched on some about, you know, their military day, people abseiling in with the ball and all that sort of stuff. There's three things I want to discuss with you, Liam. I'm going to try mm-hmm. and keep this as nice as possible. Right. And the reason it's okay. so nice as possible is because we're probably going to be talking about, you know, a whole bunch of fascists in the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes on this podcast anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um, the flag there and the guys with the uh, salutes and the, you know, SS 
logos and stuff on their flags and T-shirts. Absolute filth. Mm. Um, the thing I find funny about that, though, is it was British Military Day supporting people who fought against those guys. Yeah. And there they are with that flag in the stadium and doing that, thinking that they're, they're hard and they're getting the staunch points. Yeah, it's, if you know your history, they don't know their history. No, no. I mean, I, I, I just, I mean, but the thing is, you know, it's not the first time I've seen it from them either. You know, I remember years ago I was at a League Cup final at Hamden when when we played them before they died, the old incarnation of, of Rangers, and uh, you know, Celtic fans, you know, as as they do sometimes, we had Palestinian flags out. Um, and the Huns responded with flags of Israel. And yet, about two minutes later, they were all singing God Save the Queen and giving it the straight arm salutes. I'm like, um, any Israeli who's seeing that is going to be a wee bit confused at what's going on here, you know? Um, yeah, it's... We're it's uh, marching to the stadium beforehand with the salutes uh, going, and then uh, they bring the flags out. Yeah. I mean... I, I'm particularly disappointed in, um, you know, the British Army. I mean, right, a shameful institution for a number of reasons, which we won't go into. But really, as, you know, a public body in the UK that is supposed to be open to everybody, they should be come out, coming out and saying, right, now we want nothing more to do with Rangers after that. You know, if they had any ounce of decency about them, they would say, look, stop this militaristic crap. Stop using us to try and boost your own profile. Um, stop. Because, you know, I, I've got mates who served in the military. And whether you agree with the, the ideology behind going to war or not, guys who lay their life on the line for the country deserve respect. And I think that turning it into the circus that they do at Ibrox is, is utterly disrespectful. Apart from apart from all the the, the neo fascist stuff, which would, is a completely different ball game on top of that as well. Yep, I have to agree, Liam. Look, I spent my lunch break today talking to um some guys who were set up trying to fundraise for like the Return Service League over here, but it was for um, the younger guys who had come back from Afghanistan with the mental health issues off the back of it. And I spent I went down there and saw these guys, and they're sitting there just. And everyone's just ignoring them. And I just went up and had a chat with them and thanked them for their service. And they looked at me and one of the guys started crying for it. And yeah. the reason I did that is my granddad served in Vietnam. So mm. I've grown up around that sort of stuff. So the least you can do is give credit where it's due and go and talk to those people. But as you said, different different situations here. The thing that, that irritates me is what you've touched on is they – they go for the whole military thing to try and raise funds and all this sort of stuff, but then they pocket the money like the poppy thing they do, yeah. and then they have fans doing this, and it's just, you know, a bit of a, uh, bit of a shocking situation. So, yeah. I Meanwhile, Celtic just quietly slip ten grand to the British Legion every year and don't say anything about it, which is the dignified thing to do. Yep. So the the thing as well, though, Liam, is what that I did like though was seeing that the amount of you know, Hun fans on Twitter and that that are sharing the posts of these people around and saying, we don't want this associated with our club. If you see these people, kick them out. Now we know what this means. Kick them out. We don't want them there. So that mm. we, you've said it before. You know some Rangers fans. There are some good people who support that yep. club. 
And it's good yeah. to see the silent majority off the back of this stepping up about bloody time. Now, if they could only stop singing about being, you know, up to the knees in Fenian blood, that would be the next step. But, you know, a leopard doesn't change its spots, so I doubt that. But anyway, we'll um, we'll get off the politics and go to the next one. The second thing I wanted to talk to you about this game, Liam, mm-hmm. was the goals. Mm. Both teams yeah. just think they've got a bunch of hammer throwers up front. <laughs> Seriously, just big guys just getting in there, cluttering and everything. There's like... Didn't really look very skillful to me. I don't know if you thought any different, but uh, I, thought, I don't um, know if I would. I don't know if I would call Dessler's a hammer throw. I don't know if he's got the strength to even pick up a hammer to begin with. Um, <laughs> um yeah, the it was it was two crap teams, and Aberdeen were the slightly less crappier of the two teams. That was kind of from what I I mean. I, I watched about twenty minutes of highlights of it, and yeah, that was what it seemed to me was. And the thing is, it was BBC highlights. So it's probably edited to make Rangers look better than they were. But um, no, but even like 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 you said, you know, my my friends who support Rangers were saying that for the first twenty minutes or so, they actually quite fancied their chances. They thought the team looked all right, but then Aberdeen once they scored, it all just went went to pieces, and that's where. When I, I when I talked about when we beat them at Ibrooks, how we mentally broke them, and that the absolute meltdown um, that followed that game showed you that because they just weren't they, they were not expecting, you know, they were expecting to beat us five or six nil that day. They, they they never even contemplated not winning it, and then we beat them. You missed the so, chance from Pun there, Liam. You've gone, you know, we beat them and the things that followed them. You kind of gone what follow followed them. I thought you were. Uh, yeah, yeah, you missed well, one, yeah. mate. You missed one. What are you doing? Your standards are slipping. Aye, aye. Aye, well, you know, the, the, the poppy fund, aka the cash my father stole. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm getting off topic here. The um the, the point I was gonna uh, the point I was gonna make is that you know that ever since that game that the, the team on the park at Ibrooks has not mentally recovered from it. And Aberdeen was just the latest symptom of it. Um they as soon as they go a goal down, they, they don't know what to do with themselves. The crowd turn on them and they're like, oh no, what do we do? Here we go, and that's it. They're they're gubbed. And uh, yeah, as um, as John F. Kennedy famously once said, I think it was "Ich bin nine sheep shagger" or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> All I was going to say is the third thing I wanted to say in that game, Liam, was uh, mm. on the Barry Robson CSC. Yes, I got a fantastic result for Robson. He's had a rough time up there lately, but he's been Aberdeen have been playing some good football, even though they've been down the bottom half of the table. And um, if they you know, a few more performances like they had on Saturday, and they they won't be bottom half for long. And the thing is, as well, like he's he's got that team believing. Like you're saying about like Sevco, that you know they just seem like they're broken since we 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 did them at their place, and it's pretty much the way. Like the their body language and all this sort of stuff. It's kind of like the um, trying to count the it's. They're kind of like once their crowd gets on their case, it's like, you know, when um, Bruni come up and everyone's shaking hands pre-game, and uh, what's his name, old mate, just dropped his head. Hi. What was, what was that idiot? You know the one. I can't remember his name. 
idiot who played in France and spoke with a weird accent and stuff. Joey Barton. Uh, uh, yeah, Joey Barton. I, I, they're all walking around like broken men like Joey Barton's. So they're a little bit that way. And, um, yeah, it's great to see, like, Barry Robson. He brings his team to town and they don't fear going to Ibrox. It's been a couple of decent results since he's taken that chair down there as well. So, yeah, it was... Well, that, um, that, that's ultimately the big difference because, as we said, neither team looked that great on the park, particularly in, in an attacking sense. But one team fancied it and one team were bricking it. And that is why Aberdeen came away with the result because they fancied it and Sefco clearly didn't. So we've got here Pat saying Sefco are nearer to 11th place than first. <laughs> JJ's, how poetic was the sheep who put the final nail in their latest incarnation? Back to square one they go. Mm. <laughs> Red Scotland. Yeah. Yep. That says it all. And Lord Flashart, love watching Johnny Hayes celebrating at the end of the game. Yep. <laughs> you take the boy, the guy out of Celtic, but, you know, he still loves these results going their way. So we've touched on it earlier. Comment section, explode. Do your best. Michael Beale being sacked by, by um, Stephen Davis as interim manager. Come on, comment section is for you guys. Liam? Give your thoughts, and I'm going to cut sick with the comment section. So fill it up, guys. Chuck all the info right. in there. All right. Well, I think it's been inevitable, but um, I just wish it could have dragged on a bit longer. Um, Agent Beale was doing a fight, was was doing doing the Lord's work over at Ibrooks Way, and uh, sadly, he's been cut down in his prime. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> On one hand, it's funny watching them with their false optimism. You know, today I was reading them saying, oh, we'll just go for Mikel Arteta. He's a good Rangers man. Um, that would be the Arsenal manager in Spanish International who played for Rangers for about 10 minutes. Um, yeah, he's a good Rangers man, apparently. Um, funny, yeah. Matt, like, we're also talking about Graham Potter, getting him in, who's already said he's not interested. I think they're going to get Kettle Natson in. From Glimt, where he says he doesn't want to wait, leave till the end of this season. They're talking up like Frank Lampard, saying Kevin Musket. There's a whole bunch of names being rattled off, and it's like they'll probably. And as I said in our group chat, they'll probably end up with someone like Neil Warnock. Yeah. Uh, well, for for, uh, for for our fans in the UK that that that, that know the uh, the uh, the old TV show Phoenix Knights, I'll just say they've got a better chance of getting Brian Potter than they have Graham Potter. Um. Feel free to Google that one later on at your convenience, Chad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the um, you know the like you say, all these names that are getting thrown about. The only one that I think is even remotely realistic is Kevin Muscat. But even then, the J League has still got about six weeks to play. Can they afford to wait six to eight weeks to get a new guy in? I don't think they can. Um. Muscat would probably take the job because he's seen what Ange's done and he's thought, if I could come in and do something similar at Rangers, I could be in the English Premier League in two years' time. Um, difference is, Ange was given a lot of resources and a lot of backing and, you know, had the benefit of a fan base that don't expect to win every game 5-0 or they riot, you know. Um, so I think combination of Rangers fans' sense of entitlement, Rangers board lack of money, um, it's a poison chalice, and I don't. I think Kevin Muscat will 
in the fullness of time managing Europe. Because I mean, I said I said in the summer I thought Celtic should have went for him, um, but I, I he he'd it would be a mistake for him to go to Rangers. It, it probably looks like an attractive prospect from where he is, but it would be a serious, serious mistake. Um, the funny thing with Muscle is he's not going to go in blind because his best mates with Craig Moore, who mm. everyone knows the tie and he's got there and everything, he's going to get the all the dirt, warts and all and everything. So Muscat's not the sort of – he coached my local team over here in the A-League to a couple of premierships and everything. He's a mm. good manager. He's good at motivating the players and building that like us against the world sort of mentality. So that for me is exactly what they need. And I don't want him to go there for that reason. It's not because of the fear. Yeah. I think mm. Muscat's the sort of guy that he eventually he will end up in Europe or in England. But I reckon, I just think the lack of resources and the lack of professionalism and everything you get at the Huns, it's Aye. not it's not a good set for him. And then the type of players that they have, he likes to play football with the ball on the ground. Mm. And they've got, as I said earlier, they've got a bunch of six-foot hammer throwers all through their team. So I don't really see it being the right sort of players for the style he blocks to play. So then if they do that, where do they end up? In six months' time, they've given him the flick again and bringing someone else in and paying off another coach. I just don't think it's a good, good move for him. I mean, that's the thing. They probably haven't even fully paid off Van Bronckhurst yet, and that's them punted Beal as well. So We're talking about it in group chat earlier. Like I heard that not not last year, the year before, in Andrew's first season was when they paid off the last they owed to Warburton. Last year was the they paid off the last they owed to Pedro, and now they've got to pay off Geo, and they've got to pay off Beal. It's ridiculous the amount they, they're building up there. So, yeah, I just... I don't know. I just don't think it's a um, that's the right move that's going on there. So, yeah, as um, Patrick saying, Muscat's only anyway, gives me any fear. Yeah. As I said about, as I said about um, the type of players, would Musk have been inheriting the squad full of them? Yep. As Andrew saying, why would Muscat go there? Muscat's the favourite, and Red Skulls. Would be wonderful if they appointed Musket or Lampard. Brendan will school them both. I actually think Lampard's the sort that they'll probably get, all things considered. I don't think. Aye, because it's the same as Steven Gerrard, a big name, but not a proven manager, really. Um, that's, you know, they're, 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 they're gullible enough to buy into that. <laughs> so. Yep. Andrew Galea is saying here, Musket's a good manager, but he'll go to a championship club. I'd love to see him at Millwall. That's where he was an absolute menace in England as a player. And I've got a mate who's a Millwall fan. I'd just love to see him go there. Uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a fan of Millwall, but certainly I, I think that, that that's, a, that's a good match. Him and him and Millwall absolutely would, would, would work well together. Dermot is saying same or Musket to get a start, but not there. Yeah. Pete McGee, comment of the night. Even Harry Potter couldn't <laughs> make up a good team out of that squad. There it is. <laughs> Oh well, that's my golf clap for you. I think that's what mm. we call. It. Anyway, sorry to uh, everyone listening to the podcast later on and getting that clap right in your ears. And sorry if that gave you a headache. I just realised I have to uh, mention that. Um, speaking of yeah. speaking of the clap, where was Todd Cantwell at the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> oh well, cool. 
Good call. <laughs> so talking about who's going to take over as well. So we've got they got Stephen Davis as their interim manager. I just said we've got him coming in because the reason I said weird is really funny. We wouldn't come in because he's hopeless, right? He doesn't have the accreditation. He doesn't have equally his background stuff. The hugely experienced coach, Alex Ray. <laughs> Go get him another bag, someone. He loves his nose beers. Yeah. And then Rangers players, Stephen Smith, Brian Gilmore, goalkeeping coach. The question is who will leave the team leave the team on Thursday? None of them are UA for pro license approved. So apparently they've got someone else there. Uh Daily Rec- Daily Ranger was speculating David McCullum. He's got the right license. I don't think Ray has the license. Now the reason I said we've got him coming in, and it's not because I'm a Han or anything, it's because we've got him coming in because we're going to absolutely smack them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They'll end up probably with uh, Derek McInnes. Let's be honest. That's the most likely one: Derek McInnes or David Martindale, because they could both do something with that team with absolutely no money. Um, uh, you know, um, I mean, Alec Ray having Alec Ray as part of your backroom team. Alec Ray, the man who my my dad once very articulately described listening to him on the radio is. He's that halfwit you meet in the pub who's always just one pint away from shouting no surrender. <laughs> I, I know exactly who you're talking about, and I'm not going to mention names for a certain reason. <laughs> but Dermot's saying the Ajax manager could be looking for a new start if he's still there. Um, and then Stephen Ray saying Pascal Jansen from AZ in Holland has been linked. It'd actually be a good appointment, but there you go. I wouldn't be surprised mm. if it was McInnes or Lampard. The Raider have you away for pro license is utterly beyond me. Giving licenses away with boxes of cereals, I should or, ba- or bags of white powder. But let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a question to where was Cantwell on the weekend? Todd was doing his hair and nails. Oh, okay, okay. Fair enough. And Andrew Galea with a decent shout. Sevco will look at. Will Sevco look at Tony Vidmar? It's a good that, shout. That's, that is a good that. shout. I. Aye, knows um, his stuff. He'd actually be decent too. So, aye. yeah, hadn't thought of that one. If you want to go for an Aussie from left left field, there, there you go. Could be an interesting one. Anyway, I think we've spoken enough about that mob on this podcast. So, yes, let's back into talking about the other that mob, aka SS Nazio, who we play on Wednesday in the Champions League. Hmm. So, yeah. oh, we go, Michael Ross, quickly. Unpodcast last night, they wanted Martindale. My God. You can't you can't teach stupid, can you? Mm. Anyway. So playing Nazio in the Champions League on Wednesday. We'll go through our um our starting lineup, what we think it will be in a moment, but I just wanted to go through their last few results for you, Liam. Okay. So we'll just go back to oh, when do we want to do that? So started first of September, they went two one against Napoli. They had a win there. Okay. Then they got done three one by Juventus. Then one all against Atletico Madrid, one all against Monza, two nil against Torino, and then got done two nil by Milan on the week on the weekend. So they're a bit all over the shop at the moment with their form. Um from what we've seen so far, they're not the squad that they used to be. I think we're a shot. Yeah, 
I think no, we're I, fair for for Wednesday night. I think we could, uh, you know, pick up a win, whether it's a a three two or a three one or something like that. We could they they're there to be got at. But what's your thoughts, Liam? No, I've I've said all along that Nazi are, are our best chance of getting points in this group. Um, you know, I think Atletico Madrid will win the group. I think Feyenoord. We showed enough against them in the last game to show that with a full, with a, a stronger team and with 11 men on the park at Celtic Park, we could get a result there. Um, but they are still a very capable team and I expect them to finish second, which leaves a shootout between us and Nazio for third. And I think we could beat them at home and quite possibly get a draw away. Maybe even a win. I mean, we've done it before. Um, the thing yeah. for Lazio, Liam, that I find is going to be a big difference. Mm. They don't have Milinkovic Savic anymore. He's gone to the Saudi league. Yeah. So he was their absolute superstar midfielder. They're, you know, the, the guy in the engine room, making it happen, doing those sort of runs. We saw O'Reilly score for score mm. the winner on the weekend, doing that sort of stuff for him with him mm. gone. They've, they've lost that, that class, that world-class player that was in the middle of their park, which would have been the difference between them and us on the week in that game. So for me, normally I say it's the battle of the midfield. I think we could actually get on top in the middle of the park and then it will be, will our defence hold firm and will our forwards take their chances? That's what it'll come down to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, one of the great things to take from the weekend's game was I think that, Palma showed that he's a very, very different type of player to Maeda. So if, if, as I assume, we start with Maeda against Nazio, we can then switch him out for Palma maybe in the second half, and it gives us a completely different dynamic. Um, Palma seems very much more in the kind of Jota mould, you know, um, which is exactly what you need in these kind of games. You need a player who's going to come on and do something totally different to the, the guy that he's replacing. Yep, definitely. So we've got some comments here. So JJ, Nazio's form is patchy, sitting 14th. They're there for the taking. Mobile carrying an injury, so he's not at his best. Exactly. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, where are we? Andrew, that's the comment I was looking for. Andrew Glee, I hope we play a four-man midfield versus Lazio. We've got talent in midfield. Awada, McGregor, O'Reilly, Hatade. Leave our misfiring wingers on the bench. Kyogo and Maeda up front. I wouldn't disagree with that, especially as we're just talking about winning the midfield. That could work. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be... um, And then JJ's should sit the players down at Lanningstown and show them both victories against them from 2019. Mm. So, yeah, we'll... um, We'll get into uh, where do you think the game will be won? I've said the midfield, Liam. What are you thinking? Uh, no, I think it's I think it's the the strikers because Kyogo still hasn't done that. He still hasn't had that really big impact on Europe yet that we know he's capable of. And this is a perfect platform for him to do it. If Kyogo can just take one or two chances, that could be the the huge difference on the night. Um, so, yeah, I think we will create chances against them. Whether we take anything from the game or not is going to depend on how, how many of those chances we put away. Now, Liam, 
They have Daichi Kamada, who was a baller, according to Lord Fleshart. Mm. What do you know about him? Uh, former former Hun Skelter uh, played for Antri Frankfurt when they beat the Huns in the Europa a couple of years ago. Scored one of the penalties, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, decent player. Uh, but I'll be honest, I think Hatate is better if we're talking Japanese midfielders. So, um, <laughs> the you know, the, the Japan boss at the moment, Moriyasu, would disagree with me, but I think Hatate is a better all-round player. Um, Kamada is excellent, though. So, yeah, definitely one to watch out for. Come on now, we all know Moriyasu's a wee wank, so, you know, that says it all. Um, so, what will your score prediction be? Actually, we'll go your starting lineup, Liam. All right, so Joe Hart back in goals. Um, back line of uh, Taylor and uh, Johnson as the, the fullbacks. Centre-back pairing, Scales and Lagabielka, as we've been going with for Sar. Lagabielka um, is suspended from his red card. Oh, bugger, uh, that's right. I forgot about that. So probably have to hmm. be Phillips or Awada, one of those two, you'd think. Phillips, then. It'll be Phillips, if he's fit. Um, I would like to see us go with that four-man midfield that was suggested a minute ago. Um, but I think probably it's going to be McGregor, O'Reilly, and Hatate. And then up, and then up front, it's going to be Kyogo, Maeda, and Yang. Um, possibly Forrest. That's the one I'm not sure about. It might. Brendan might want to go with the experience of Forest in Europe, but I think Yang is uh, faster, younger, more dynamic, and I think maybe that's more useful against a team like Lazio, who are not used to having teams coming at them so intently, because you're going to have Maeda charging down one wing, and then you're going to have Yang with his trickery down the other. That's that's how you rattle a team like Lazio, just get in, in about them. Yep. And I think maybe Yang is slightly better suited to that than, than Forrest is. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. So JJ's got a comment. Liam, you're never a former Hunscalper. Fair point. Well made. Yes, indeed, sir. Robert Gibson saying he's out. So is home yeah. about Lager. Yeah. JJ, Lager suspended. Paddy Lavery, yeah. get with the program, Liam. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. That that's That's what happens when, you know, European games are on at four o'clock in the morning when you're still on your... Still in your bed. I almost said something else there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for me, I'm I'm thinking he'll go the 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, I don't think he'll switch it to the four-man midfield. I'd love it if he did, but, yeah, I think we'll see pretty much the lineup that we saw, like the, the formation we saw on the weekend. That was a dress rehearsal. So you'll have Hart back in goals. That'll be Taylor. Then it'll be Phillips and Scales and... Johnson, and then midfield will be Hattade, Riley, McGregor, and yeah, up front, Maeda on the left, Kyogo in the middle, and outright, you've said Yang. I think it'd be Yang as well, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he did come out with Jamesy Forrest, as you mentioned, mentioned there. Aye, aye. Um, it's going to be... A, right, score prediction, um, we're going to beat them 4-2. Nice. Yeah, I'm saying 3-1 for us. I think we'll get the win. But I'm thinking it's going to be one all at about 75th minute mark. And then mm. our 12th man, Celtic Park, re-emerges re as a, an absolute cauldron 
and we just like make them feel like the hands are just doing the Homer Simpson around Bart's neck, the wire little just just squeezing the absolute crap out of him until we score a couple more late on. <laughs> so it'll be it will be hilarious. I would love to see it, and that means it'll give me more of a chance to wake up while watching the game before going to work. So it's going to be a long Thursday morning <laughs> for us. But so we've got some com- some comments. You put your scores. In here, Robert Gibson saying one all, not confident. Andrew Glare one nil, Celtic made the scorer. I'd love to see Maeda take a chance in Europe because he gets into some good positions. Mm. Uh, Real Madrid, for instance, he did it again at Rotterdam. JJ saying three two win. Probs, Jonathan, oh, sorry, John Tom is saying two nil. So we've got there's a fair bit of um, positive around of us here. So. Yeah, well, um, Carl Margulis and CSC, what a great name. Tade <laughs> not even form, but perhaps this is the type of game, what he needs, yeah, you'd hope so. Aye, I think give him the platform to show what he's all about. He signed the contract, that's behind him. You know, all that, you know, stuff going on in his head, you know, has his head been turned and all that, that's sorted. Put that to the side and get on with it. So Mahesh with his stats-based stuff is Celtic have to win second half momentum to get a result. Need to show composure. Mm. 10-boy 88, 2-1 the Celtic. Michael Ross, 2-1 the Hoops. So, yeah, we'll, um, I think we'll just leave leave it there. I'm going to quickly look that up for you, Andrew. But, Liam, I'm going to let you give a little chat to us here. Pete McGee saying 2-0 as well. Um, we've got so Sonic Down Under podcast in the month of October is doing the Black Dog Institute's One Step Forward charity fundraiser for mental health awareness. So we've all signed up, everyone on the podcast. I'm trying to walk 100Ks for the, for the month, raise $100 myself. Everyone within the group has set their own goal targets for kilometers and how much they're trying to fundraise. The group is trying to raise $500. We already smashed through that. So the next challenge is to get to a thousand for the month and just keep going. So we're trying to raise the funds for that, which is a really great cause. I like I did 10k myself yesterday. I've done about six and a half today. Liam, tell your story about what you did last night and you noticed on your watch. Okay. So just to give a wee bit of background, I, I am going to the gym almost every day at the moment, and a large part of that is on the treadmill. So I'm doing about seven kilometres a day on the treadmill, and then between going to and from work and, you know, going to get in the, get in the shopping and whatever, I'm doing average about 10, 12 kilometres a day. But last night, I, I said to my wife about, about nine o'clock, let's go for a wee walk. So we went for a walk. And we got back maybe an hour later, and I'm you know, sitting down having a having a cup of coffee, whatever, just relaxing. Gets to half eleven, I look at the watch and it says sixteen point nine zero kilos. And I said, "Darling, we're going for another walk." She's like, "Are you sure? It's half. It's nearly midnight. I said, we're going for another walk. We are going now. I'm not letting the timer end on this." And I managed to get up to eighteen point five before midnight. So, uh, aye, that was a a lucky escape there. And uh, but um, so we did that yesterday, and today I'm currently sitting at twenty point two kilometers. 
So I've set myself the target of 300 over the course of October, which is an average of 10, 10K a day, which, all right, that, that doesn't sound like much. I mean, I've just explained to you what my, my routine is, but we're going to get probably two or three typhoons over the course of October. So there's probably going to be about five or six days where I'm not going to be able to get the house. So I'm trying to build up a wee bit in the bank ahead of, ahead of that. So, um, uh, yeah, and also... Um, as, as Jared said, we've all got our own wee fundraisers here. Um, I am a mental health survivor. I'm not ashamed to say that. I uh, I had depression a couple of times in my life, uh, most recently just last year. And credit to Jared and the boys. Being on the podcast here every week is a great outlet, a great source of therapy, especially when you're in a country like Japan where you can feel a wee bit isolated sometimes. Um, and, you know, I... Uh, it's a, it's a cause that I'm very proud to be part of helping out. It's something I feel very strongly about. And the more of us that can help out, the better. And if I would say, you know, if you're worried about, oh, you know, oh, I, you know I might donate, but I've only got like a, a couple of quid spare. Whatever. Look, when we're talking about mental health here, right, we're talking suicide prevention. Literally, the cost of a local phone call could save a life. That is how crucial this is. Okay, so if you've only got 50p spare, chuck it in the pot. You may well end up saving a life. Just yeah, as Liam's saying, like I've also went through a tough spot last year with my mum passing away, and the podcast was a big thing for me with um, keeping keeping going and keeping connected with people and not getting in my head and you know stay as they all saying is stay out of yourself and just do what you got to do and just getting through what we got through last year and there were some lows there. There were some really, you know, challenging times. And that's why I thought this year with the podcast, it's one of them ones for me where we've built up a platform. Let's do some good. Like we got come close on 2000 subscribers on the YouTube. We got the, the Facebook group. We've got the, we've got Twitter. We've got a bunch going on. The club was founded on charity. So it's a matter of, okay, Let's let's do something to give back, and yeah, I'm just really happy to be involved doing this, and that everyone on the pod got on board. And if you can give something, the link is in the show notes. It'll also be on our Twitter and Facebook group and all that. You can pretty much find it anywhere. So if you can give something, as Liam said, even if it's just a dollar or two to cover, you know, because that's all you can afford because I know cost of living and that at the moment is tough. If you can do so, please do so because every bit helps and every bit is great. That goes to a good cause. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thursday night we will have the uh, Thursday sesh reviewing the Lazio game, previewing the game on the weekend. And, Liam, I'll give you the final thought before um, I finish off the pod. Well, you know, we were just talking there about mental health and, you know, it can be a rough time for everybody, you know, and our brothers and sisters from across the city are having a rough time just now. So everyone be kind, hug a hun. (laughs) And for me, I've got some new toys for the podcast. So when you see, you know, some green lights going on like this, you know, don't don't think I'm in trouble with the cops or anything, or if it's red or if it's blue or anything like that. Don't don't worry about it. It's just all under control. There we go. Now I'm going to go blind. But anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, appreciate it. 
Hail, hail, and we'll speak to you later in the week. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.